You are a bold and courageous person, afraid of nothing. High on a hilltop near your home, there stands a dilapidated old mansion. Some say the place is haunted, but you don't believe in such myths. One dark and stormy night, a light appears in the topmost window in the tower of the old house. You decide to investigate, and you never return. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm hanging with the one, the only, Trip Turlington. (laughs) (laughs) This is our exclusive Halloween version of our Pick 3 series, where we each bring in a couple of tracks and uh, talk about them, and this time we are going with the Halloween theme to celebrate the season. That was somewhere between really creepy and Jim Carrey. <laughs> Never gotten that before. <laughs> so that that little record right there that we just introed with is uh, just this little sound effects record that I happen to have in my collection called The Chilling, Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted House. And it's just something that came along with all my dad's records when I got his old collection. Nice. It's got a 1964 copyright on it. No kidding. Yeah, and it's a, a Walt Disney thing. It's a Disneyland record. Wow. And the the first side is just uh, they they play all the sound effects, but then they they give those little intro stories to go along with it, and then they let the music or the let the sound effects tell the rest of the story. Sure. And then the B side is just the effects themselves. Very cool. Which I thought was kind of interesting. You know? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this episode, man. This is, uh, you know, our pick threes are always a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And this, I think this is the first time we've ever done a Halloween-themed anything. So Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Halloween's, yeah. I've always really looked forward to Halloween. So. Really? Um, I, 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 I used to a lot more when I, was, uh, uh, when I was younger. I used to be in a lot, into a lot of the, like, super, like, dark themed and it, you know i've like you know i i I've, I've got a huge like affinity towards uh gargoyles and things like okay. that so like it, gothic stuff yeah yeah and if you if you <laughs> a lot of people don't know this but there are gargoyles hidden throughout my yard so, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, treasure hunt time yeah, right, okay right right <laughs> so yeah I've, I've collected them for years so like I, I don't know i've probably got half a dozen at least right out here you yeah know, so yeah well while we're in the uh, process of doing shout outs uh i'll go ahead and shout out uh, to our ambassadors once again who have been making this whole thing pretty fun oh yeah um, yeah they've been posting a lot of cool stories on Facebook page and in our like private discussions yep. about you know, different gig stories and what they're working on and parts of their history and music they like and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun working with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, also to uh, Mo and Tony who couldn't make it today. Normally we would. Uh, we would save our pick three episodes for when the four of us could right. be here. Now, or any knowing, special episode for that. Right. Now, knowing that, that this one was coming up, you know, we had talked about, uh, you had brought up the idea of doing a, a Halloween pick three. Yep. And so we kind of planned ahead with Mo and uh, he knew that he wasn't going to be able to make it. So he recorded a couple of things ahead of time for us to play. So Mo was going to sort of be here in, in spirit and then, uh, Tony was supposed to be here, and then turned out he couldn't make it. Yeah. So it just he got tied up in Pittsburgh, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I think it was Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they wanted to be here, couldn't make it, but uh, you know, shout out to you guys, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. And we're gonna play most tracks here, just as if uh, as if you were sitting in the room with us. So 
be a lot of fun. Now, I thought about putting the entire burden on you <laughs> and then just calling this trip or treat, but <laughs> I didn't want to overburden you. So That's awesome. <laughs> That's a great subtitle, uh, though. I like know. it. <laughs> uh, so do you have a, a pick for us? Do you want to start I out? I do. Um, okay, for so. those who are not aware, the, the pick three episodes, once again, are uh, we typically will each bring in three tracks under some umbrella, under some theme. And, of course, this time is Halloween. And I don't think we got super specific with what that had to be. Just anything kind of Halloween-themed or scary or anything like that. Yep, yep, for sure. Because we didn't really put any kind of, like, limits on it, um, my my mind immediately went to uh, what was referred to as horrorcore rap in the 90s. Yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) Um, familiar. A lot of people will... When they hear that, their mind immediately goes to Brother Lynch Hung. Mm. And, like, that's a whole other level of, like, shocking horrorcore, like, just, you know, to get a rise out of people. Whereas, um, for me, uh, in that vein, what I found was um, a side project by uh, the Wu Tang Clan, or some members of the Wu Tang Clan. Oh, and uh, it, uh, called they called themselves Grave Diggers. And uh, okay, it, the the entire first album, Six Feet Deep, was like I was playing it everywhere, and I, there wasn't a bad track on it. So I just I loved it. All right, um, but in the because we're talking about Halloween specifically, I kind of picked up on this one. It's called Diary of a Madman. This, this opening court scene is is pretty good, uh, so I'm gonna let this play. We should have entered with that. Before this court passes judgment, will the four defendants please rise and approach the bench? Trust me, guys, it's all under control. The judge is my uncle. He'll take the insanity plea. Oh yeah, don't forget my retainer balance. Okay. I understand you guys are pleading insanity, claiming demonic spirits possess you to do these hideous murders. Can you please explain to this court how these so-called spirits made you into these raving madmen? Bear witness as I exercise my exorcism. The evil that lurks within mm. the sin, the terrorism. Possess my evil spirits, voices from the dead. I come forth with grave diggers in a head full of dread. I've been examined. So this is horrorcore New York style. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. I would say. <laughs> So for people who did, who aren't aware of uh, the Gravediggers, uh, it, it, it's spearheaded by the RZA, you know, who notoriously was dubbed the leader of of the Wu-Tang Clan, even though the Wu-Tang Clan wasn't necessarily meant to have a leader, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. So, like, everything RZA seems to touch is just kind of gold, right? Yeah. But then uh, there was also uh, uh, Prince Paul, uh, Fruquan, and uh, Anthony Ian Berkeley. So these guys, like, just everything that they put together in that whole album was, like, just a right mix of, like, creepy, but yet, like, kind of... Uh, occultish, right? You right. Know? And then, but then, like, still, yeah, the New York flavor, like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we're talking about evil spirits and uh, and psychedelic drugs and you know suicide, like, just like all of these, like, you know, really dark topics, but still all about but like Wu Tang, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, still all about cream, right? So, <laughs> you know what I like about 
Wu Tang and and all basically all the Wu Tang members is and, and this is going to sound weird to say because some some of their hooks are really iconic, but they're not super obsessed with typical song structure and even writing a hook in general. Right. Like right. some of their songs, like I've got uh, I can't even remember which of their CDs in my car right now, and one thing that's really notable about it is that they just flow and flow and flow and flow and they just keep on going it's like man they've gone for like 128 bars and it's not like they're just flowing a verse still they're not you know grabbing hooks or choruses or anything yeah that was the great like 36 chambers obviously like was a good mix of both like so there were so many that like you know of the of the most iconic hooks that Wu-Tang ever put out was in 36 chambers but then there's other tracks where like there's no hook at all yeah but then like it almost sounds like really good freestyle you know? right but then when wu-tang forever came out and uh and everybody li- and triumph was the big track that you know the big single that came out of mm. that and everybody was like but like where's the hook where's the hook? you don't need a hook when you've got <laughs> nine guys that are dropping the level of lyricism yeah. on your head like that like, <laughs> so, and it's so it's hard crazy. to keep up with it it's funny because like when you're listening to to some of those songs it's it's not like like modern mumble rap is hard to understand and keep up with for different reasons. Right. Like that is like they're speaking clear as day, but you're like, hold on, I gotta rewind that and like right. take that in because right. it's it's like it, complex. Right is the reason that you have to wait, wait a minute. Let me process that for a yeah, second. Yeah, exactly. You know? But uh, so uh, another reason I picked this one out. I, I mean, just if you hear that in the background. And, there's like this haunting like just kind of like vo- female vocal just yeah. kind of like you're sinking and sinking deep into the earth thoughts was possessed since the first day of birth my mentor says it's my turn to possess the matter stab you with a dagger up jacob's ladder thoughts become shattered confused and tragic fiery thoughts of grave diggers Guilty. Next case. <laughs> nice choice, man. <laughs> so yeah, the the I like it. Yeah, the that whole track, like um, you know, we, we even though we talked over most of it, I encourage everybody to go out and check out more of Gravedigger stuff because it's it's amazing stuff, right? Like especially if you get into any anything at that level. But um, but yeah, that whole thing was like them talking about why they committed all of these crimes and murders and stuff like that. And they're they're trying to use this insanity plea that they were possessed by demons. <laughs> and as you heard there at the end, the judge says, eh, guilty. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. I was not familiar with that track. That, yeah, that was cool. I, I lo- now, uh, some of the later Gravedigger stuff I didn't dig as much, um, but I'm, I'm kind of like that with a lot of projects, mm. you know, especially like side projects where, you know, you get these, uh, you know, these bigger names together, you know, like like RZA and Prince Paul, like, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that anything that follows the first project is garbage, but I, for me, it, it's it's hard to top you know, a really good debut project, especially when you're talking, putting together super groups and stuff like that. Mm, yeah. So, um, so I didn't dig any of the later stuff as much as I did this first one, that, that first album, six feet deep, man, it's, oh, there's a, my, my, my theme song, uh, uh, defective trip is on there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's good stuff. Check it out. You know, speaking of, uh, hip hop, super groups and, and creepy rap, 
I gave a little bit of thought of bringing in the uh, intro to Creeping on a Come Up by Bone Thugs in here. <laughs> right. hey, Ouija, yeah. are you with me? me? But I didn't. I thought that might be a little much for you. And it, yeah, it, well, it, for me. Might need a trigger warning. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I think I've talked about it here on the show before where I wrecked a car to Ouija, are you with me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, I think I was 17. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that I never did like fully recover from that. <laughs> Uh, so when I was going through my picks, you know, like I said, we didn't put any real specific, uh, you know, criteria around it, just Halloween. And so right. usually when I'm, you know, I kind of take the same approach as when I'm coming up with a concept mix. I'm like, okay, what are my own little personal parameters? How am I going to limit myself? Basically, how do I force myself into choices, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> so uh, I decided to, uh, my limitation was I was going to pick uh, wax, like physical records out of my collection oh, to do okay. this. Yeah. So uh, I kind of limiting. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. How many people have Halloween records? Right. I, I don't make it a point to collect Halloween records, right. but I do have the benefit of um, I inherited some records for my dad. Oh, I didn't inherit. He's still alive. That makes it sound like he, <laughs> <laughs> my dad gave me his record collection. Um, and there were some things in there that were that were kind of appropriate. And uh, I, I found some pretty good picks. So. I don't know. Do we want to keep it uh, in the realm of hip hop, or do we want whatever to do something you want to do? Yeah, no. <laughs> I actually brought in several because there's a couple of these that we could have brought in the same thing, maybe because sure. like one or two of them are kind of obvious. So okay. I brought some extra picks just in case. <laughs> uh, so this particular record is <laughs> it's straight out of my childhood, which is interesting to say but uh this belonged to my dad and it's a hip-hop record it's dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince and nightmare on my street yes i so like what's uh, that was on my radar of picks and like i'm so I glad you this. picked this up yeah i love this track so uh the uh the 12 inch has the extended mix the single edit uh an instrumental and then it's got like uh house party thing called rhythm tracks just like a random yeah, b-side yeah. on there uh, so i'm going to play the album version now we won't be you won't be able to get the full effect because we're going to be talking of it and this is one of those songs that's a storytelling track oh yeah right so i highly encourage you to go listen to the whole thing straight through it's pretty fun to listen to but uh, i'm gonna head pop this on So we'll get the Nightmare on Elm Street sample coming in right about here. God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, straight out of my childhood. Yep. Oh. And this song's funny because it's it, it treads an interesting line be between really creepy and just kind of goofy in that Will Smith way. Right. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's actually a fun listen because of that. I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy you all know. Yeah, my my dad used to play this all the time, and I used to always, Dad, play that play that nightmare song, play that nightmare song. <laughs> but it was because of that that music right there, yeah, the actual Nightmare on Elm Street music. It kind of creeped me out as a kid, well, yeah, so yeah, I would yeah, I would hear it, and then like kind of like pulling the sheets up over my head, <laughs> like oh, I don't know about this. 
But this song's, you know, really fun because it's... I've never heard a hip-hop song like it. It's right. It's got that old-school Will Smith silly hip-hop flow. Well, yeah. And then it, that creepy like, underlying what, late beat. Late 80s? Or, this was... Or early 90s, maybe? Um, it was late 80s. The copyright is 88. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, this was... I think I was 10 years old when that came out. And, uh, you know, my stepdad was not approving of rap at all, you know, or whatever. But, like, I convinced my mom to get that tape because she had, you know, heard some of the other, like, you know, Will Smith stuff and she approved. You know, right, my right. mom was far more <laughs> pragmatic when it came to music. But, um, but yeah, like, it, it was just one of those ones that, like, sometimes I skipped over that track <laughs> because it was a little creepy. And I was not a Freddie or Jason or Michael Myers fan as a kid, you know. Yeah. Like, just stuff, the music? It, yeah. Like, that, that, that stuff just, it, it, those movies scared me as a kid. So I was like, eh. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I actually started to, you know, appreciate them for what they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so the music, yeah, just kind of sent chills up my spine and like, okay, yeah, occasionally I would listen to it because, yeah, as a kid, it's fun. And even as an adult, it's fun. But um, yeah, it was it was one of those ones that occasionally just, eh, I don't feel like feeling like that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I'm going to flip this over if you don't mind real quick. No, go right in. switch it to the instrumental here if you just listen to the instrumental it's it's pretty creepy right you know and that's what we would do we would play you know both sides of it's like the extended single you know a little bit of the uh age coming through there on the record yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pops and clicks Man. but just those little sound effects in the background yeah all that yeah. all that stuff it reminds me of um like unsolved mysteries theme. Oh, That's man. what I should have brought in. <laughs> or uh, do you remember Rescue Nine One One? Do you remember yes. that whole show? Yes. Man, that intro used to creep me out as a kid too. Really? <laughs> man. So I take it you weren't like a Freddie or Jason or Michael Myers fan or you know, anything not, like that? Not really. And in fact, I I actually missed a lot of the big scary horror movies and Halloween movies and yeah, stuff yeah. Um, growing up. Partly because of there's a period of time where you know i grew up in kind of a religious home there was a period of time where uh we kind of my family got swept up in that whole like satanic panic thing Mm, of the late 80s early 90s and so there was a lot of that like we didn't really participate in halloween for a few years and right right when i was the age where i would have been watching that stuff i really didn't so i've had to kind of play catch up in the meantime (laughs) no doubt no doubt yeah yeah that's uh, all of those things like even like when I did watch them, like it, it, they did, they it, those were the types of movies that, like, as a kid, I I, I didn't sleep for a couple of days. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, uh, but um, do you have like a favorite scary movie or not? Uh, well, so like my favorite scary movies now are not like those like classic hacker and slasher things. Like I I like cerebral stuff. Like mm. I I like things that will mess with your mind. Um, you know, anything Stephen King really like is. The Shining. Yeah, The Shining. Yeah. Um, uh, it. Um, I know that the newest one has come out. I haven't had a chance to see that one yet, but even the one from the 1980s, even though it doesn't, you know, <laughs> relate as well. To, you know, it, it didn't date very well, but, yeah. uh, but I mean, still that one is, is, is a classic for me. Um, 1408. 
mm-hmm. is a more modern Stephen King adaptation. Um, and really, the the short story that it was based off of was terrifying enough. And then with uh, John Cusack and and Samuel L. Jackson, they really nailed it um, as far as capture like you know as with all the Stephen King adaptations they always change a bunch of stuff right you know to make it work for a film but um, but really I mean they just they did they nailed like the whole essence of like the room you know and, and if anybody's seen it or has read that like uh, they'll they'll know what i'm talking about otherwise i sound like i'm kind of rambling and and kind of psychotic at the moment <laughs> like, just like he's talking about a room what but um but yeah like uh, th- those are the types of things that i really like are the things that that make you scared because it's messing with your mind a little bit it's or like what you don't see exactly yeah. exactly yeah uh, so I guess we can uh, throw in a Mr. Modingo. Yeah, let's do that. So the way this works is he recorded a little intro to play for the song, and then we're going to play the song afterwards and comment per usual. So I don't even know what uh, his picks are, so this will be a surprise for me. Yeah, same here. What up, passionate DJ Nation? Modingo here, coming to you not so live. As football season continues, I am still on the road supporting my boys got one in college and one still in high school wreaking havoc on the gridiron so i am going to do my pick three for halloween from the confines of casa de dingo so for my first pick it's a track i heard about three years ago for the first time in 2015 when i was out of the country i was getting turned on to some different types of drum and bass and jungle and the first time i heard this song the immediate adjective that came to mind was dark after the main track kicks in around the minute and 20 second mark you start getting a lot of what trip would refer to as some so hope you like it this is horribly ribbed by audio and donnie Good start. Yeah. yeah. I'm creeped out already. Right? With darkness comes nightmares. Ooh. 
<laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> After that, I mean, that's a hell of an intro. You know what I mean? I, it, yeah, that's it's one like of the those, starting your set out. Yeah, uh, tracks. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of those ones where I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't like try to mix that. You know, in the <laughs> middle of a set, that 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 feels like it would have dropped off. But that's a perfect like intro track to really get you know everybody kind of prepped for the. <laughs> this is cool. Man, Mo Dingo bringing the drum and bass fire. <laughs> I, know, right? I had bring, no idea, man. I didn't bring any drum and bass. Like, what <laughs> happened here? Roll reversal. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. This does remind me of one of the tracks I used in one of my old zombie mixes. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't remember what it was now, but I like it. Yeah. It's very neuro. It's very dirty. Yeah, yeah those big distorted yeah. kick oh, sounds. And overcompressed. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's got that grit in there. Yeah, for sure. Love those vocal stabs, too. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> little sample there nightmare i like it man i gotta say i was not expecting the yeah. bass <laughs> not at all <laughs> that's pretty cool bit of creepy D&B for Mr. Dingo. I dig it. You ever play any fun Halloween gigs? Uh, my partner Jason and I on uh, for our company in the groove, we always did a monster mash party every year. Um, so uh, those started off as rave parties. Okay. Uh, so we would do them, you know, in uh, bingo halls or, you know, whatever we could find. But then... Um, we started transitioning them to our boat party series. So we started okay. putting these costume parties on the boats <laughs> in October. <laughs> so, oh. you know, here we are in Ohio. We were just talking about the weather, right? Like, yeah. so the weather's was, not always like this. On yeah, it Halloween. was always a, a crapshoot, you know, whether it was a warmer year or, or a colder year. And there were some years where it was like, we're, we're busting out propane heaters and stuff right. like that uh, just to try to keep everybody warm. <laughs> but you know what? You know, ravers in Ohio are troopers. Yeah. Because we always pack that boat. I mean, two, three, sometimes 400 people. And, you know, we're just cruising up and down the Ohio and everybody's all, you know, dressed up and <laughs> uh, raving it up. So, yeah, those were always a lot of fun. That's great, man. I, I reached out to our ambassadors and asked them if they'd pl ever played any cool Halloween parties. And yeah. uh, uh, Tom Reed said, the only time I've ever DJed on Halloween was a Monster Mash boat party. And, uh, with uh, and EDM Tuesday with Trip Turlington. <laughs> yeah, well, and, EDM Booze Day. Anyway. And I think the one that Tom played, uh, I, I believe he was still going by DJ Centrix at the time. Mm. And uh, that particular year, uh, shout out to Snyder Smith. He used to do all of our graphics and photography and all of that stuff. And that year in particular, he started like getting into uh, video editing. 
and actually created a trailer, a video trailer where he had like snipped together, you know, a bunch of like Rob Zombie movies and B flicks and uh, rave footage and like just, you know, uh, alien autopsies and just all of this like crazy stuff. Right. (laughs) And like he, he like just meshed it all together and it came out really awesome. And then he put it to, uh, I forget who did the remix, but it's the remix of Real Solution Number no. Nine by uh, White Zombie. Oh, and it okay. was on that okay. remix yeah. album that came out yep. after Astro Creep 2000. Yep. And I mean, it, it it's pretty. It's I was going to say good. the one with all the chicks all over it, but I I don't know if that's specific <laughs> enough. <laughs> right. I saw it in my head and I went, wait, that's right. probably yeah. Okay. But uh, so yeah, that 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 was a really good party too because like that was at a time where we were really packing those boats and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, nice. it, that's, that, that, that's awesome that Tom remembered that too. Yeah. Uh, Brian James said that he, uh, DJed a Halloween party in the mid nineties when he was working for a pharma pharmaceutical company in Pennsylvania. And one of his coworkers asked, he said, he asked me to come and DJ for the night. So I hauled my turntables and four crates and two record bags worth of records over. The party went so well and made friends with new people there who are friends for life. Both Mike and Adrian, whose wedding is the only wedding I've DJed or will ever DJ, has come to every gig, every event, bought my music, and even bought t-shirts I've made without further provocation for me. And uh, he goes on to talk about how they've just always shown support and became like lifetime friends from that, and he would have never met them if he'd never played that party, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, DJ Serato said that he... uh, he did throw some some pretty dope Halloween parties back in the day in the late 90s, and then... uh, he said he, but it took him like his very first official Halloween party. He didn't play till 2015. Oh, wow. So he's been in this for a very long time and, and didn't really play any shows until now, uh, Halloween shows until now, which I thought no was pretty interesting. Yeah. Which I was trying to think back. I, the last one that I played was, I guess, would have been Yikes 2. Really? Which would have been, uh, you know, Tony's company, Three Dimensional Entertainment. Right. Uh, they do a annual ish Halloween event. Uh, called Yikes, and I think this one was Justin Martin. Oh, okay. And what I liked about that particular show, I think this was the one where we did, it was one of the, where they did the family set. Oh, yeah. So we had like four of us up there that were just kind of buddies tag teaming. And then we had uh, uh, Fatty Lumpkin, who's a well-known hip-hop DJ, scratch DJ locally, and he was like scratching over our beats and stuff, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, those family sets are always, like, it's such a neat idea to begin with, but they always turn out so well and, and the people that get put together for those, you know, it, I mean, you know, it, it truly is family, you know, yeah. from every, every, you know, iteration of it, the people that, that Tony pulls together for those sets. I mean, it's, and it's, it, so it's amazing how, how well those turn out. Yeah. It's so fun to DJ that way too. Cause like when you, when you have a couple of people who are uh, familiar enough with each other and each other's mixing style and stuff that you, and, and you also have the the wherewithal or whatever to like give each other a little bit of space right. and you know right. know when it's okay to play a little bit of melody and when you should back off and stuff it, like when you really get that synergy going those those sets are so fun because then Absolutely. it's like you have no idea what's going to come out but it's it's really like that when we talked the other week about uh, Nina Kravitz about mm. how every set is like a, a moment in time where you're oh, just yeah. like creating a, this new creation. It really right. feels like that kind of DJing when you do that. Yes, absolutely. All right, I guess I'll shut my yap and grab another track. <laughs> so this one 
This one you're going to quickly recognize. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't take long, did it? Yeah, I was going to say, they, like, me and Mo joke around all the time about, like, that uh, Can You Beat Shazam show. Like, right, right. <laughs> like, and, uh, you know, that's a modern day name that tune, you know, for for those of us that uh, are old enough to remember name that tune. But that opening, you know, drum fill right there, that... I know that one! That's it's all it Rockwell! <laughs> yes, this is Rockwell. Somebody's watching me. Yep, no doubt. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that is Michael Jackson, right? Yes, actually, here, let me uh, read some of the back uh, credits on the back here. Uh, special thanks to Barry... F- okay, so this is interesting. It says Barry 4. Barry IV. I guess it's 4. <laughs> special thanks to Barry 4 for being the first to believe. Michael and Jermaine Jackson for their magic and friendship. Ray Singleton for her love and encouragement from the beginning, and Nancy Levaska for her never-ending support. And then, uh, let's see, so musicians listed on the back. There's a bunch of them. But right at the very end, it says uh, Terry Desario, which is interesting. All right. Jermaine Jackson. Man, here we go. Vocals: Rockwell, comma Michael Jackson on "Somebody's Watching Me." Yeah, I've, I've, and I only brought that up because I've been in literal debates with people who have said, "No, yeah. that's not." It. Why would Michael Jackson just be like the <laughs> hook in something? And I'm like, "No, I'm telling you, that's Michael Jackson." No, it's just somebody who sounded like Michael Jackson because it was the, he was popular around that yeah. time, and people were trying to nail that sound. And I'm like, "No, that's Michael Jackson." Yeah, no, you're 100 percent correct. <laughs> <laughs> This is a great pick, though, because, like, you know, I love how, like, in the in this track, like, he talks about, like, he's just a regular guy doing a regular thing, but, like, there's just this hounding thing, you know, yeah. behind him, like, uh, and again, with the, like, you know, that whole, like, kind of organy, yes. you know, kind of, like, creepy feel to, yep. that just adds to that pad in the back, like, that's awesome. And, it, and it's kind of a, a typical... Halloween DJ tune. Sure, so it, sure. it felt appropriate to Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. This is copyright 1984 Motown record collection. Wow, 84. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was newer than that. I I would have pegged that at like 86, 87. I would have that. too. Yeah. At the bottom it says Michael Jackson appears courtesy of Epic Records. Very cool. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, a couple years ago, there was like a whole slew of remixes of that song that came out too, that was all over Beatport and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember that coming back for a hot second. Okay, Mr. Turlington. Yeah, you're in a hot seat now. What you got for us? Um, You know... It- when when researching all of these, like I 
my mind went to some pretty obvious places, right? Like, and I think even in 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 some of our uh, our sidebar conversations with like Tony and uh, Mo, like I think even Tony had said, "Well, duh, thriller." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to play know, thriller. So to to avoid a takedown notice, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> we're just gonna mention thriller, like duh, the most obvious of all time, right? Yes. Um, but, yeah, everybody do the dance. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, which is still so iconic that, like, people can, like, even younger people. Like can little s- kids. <laughs> yeah, can see the, th- you know, the Thriller dance, having never even saw all of Thriller, you know, yeah. or the full, like, you know, mini short, you know, thing. But people know that it's a reference to Michael Jackson. Like, they, they, they get it. Like, it's just amazing how how huge that became in pop culture, Halloween or not, right? Right, <laughs> so, right. Um so if I if I take a step back over to the other side of the spectrum where where I started um, in the in the horror core, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was this like and so I even said that like I wasn't like a huge fan of like all the hacker slasher movies and stuff like that right but what I was a fan of was hood movies like <laughs> you know in the 90s like yeah. they they were they were prevalent they were all over the place and I mean the most iconic of which would be boys to hood or menace to society like yeah. those 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 two were huge and they had a powerful message and um and those were you know just two movies that to this day are probably in my will always be in my top 10 However, <laughs> there was another one uh, called Tales from the Hood, <laughs> which okay. was like, you know, kind of like, you know, it, it just the hacker slasher version of it. It, it was all in good fun. Right. Okay. And uh, so my next pick is actually called Born to Die by Spice One. Oh, OK. <laughs> Evil lurks in the mind of a bad man. I have to call Spice One to put in work. Yeah, straight motherfucking East Bay killing <laughs> So like, <laughs> you kind of get it. You kind of get an idea of what the movie's gonna yeah, be yeah. like. <laughs> now, yeah, I didn't. I didn't become hip to Spice One until much later. There, I discovered Spice One long after I become a fan of hip hop. Sure. But the, you know the, you hear that that West Coast sound in there too, yeah. and and that's one of my favorite combinations of sounds is that kind of like uh, dissonant piano sound that they've right, got going, like right. that kind of weird like something's not quite right, creepy sound, yeah, yeah. along with just the hip host, the uh, West Coast hip hop drawl. Yeah, yeah. That combination is so cool to me. The Dre did that a few times, oh, yeah. and you know, oh yeah, a few others. The funny part about this particular verse is that it was also on a Tupac track um, like oh. where Spice One did a, a, a guest spot um, I forget which track it was specifically but um, but yeah like he was a guest on, on one of Tupac's tracks and he pulled this verse okay and and used it in that <laughs> so like is it like the same recording or is no the... it's it, yeah it's him redoing it oh okay uh, it, uh, I think it's called Losing My Mind okay um, so yeah it's it's one of my favorite Spice One verses ever because like the whole thing is like him like referring to different guns as people okay. <laughs> like and how they're talking to him and telling him yeah. to like you know uh to, to go and kill people and stuff like that so it's like it's very creepy it's very you know menacing but yeah. like uh you know it's just another one of those cerebral things like you know it's kind of creepy you know yeah <laughs> 
He's talking about guns talking to him to kill people. Like, you know, but you know, I, one of my runner-up tracks I didn't bring in because I don't have it on wax for one thing, but um, kind of in a similar vein to this was. Um, I don't know if it's Scarface or Ghetto Boys, but my, my mind is playing tricks on me. Oh, yeah. A little different vibe than this, but, you know, similar idea. Yeah. That kind of, like, oh, man, watching my back, a... looking over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, and, you know. that would have been a great one. I wish I would have thought of that one, too. Oh, Because yeah. that, that's one of my favorite Ghetto Boy tracks yeah. ever. I think it's got to be in everybody's, right? Like, think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you say that that one's not? No, no, that's not good. <laughs> Man, I I love the the high pitched synth, uh, yeah, whatever like, that is, that saw wave or whatever. Yeah, I was gonna say like that and West that, Coast sound. Yeah, that West Coast like that that whiny. That, yeah, that's yeah. all it really is. It's so simple of a sound yeah. to make, you know, saw wave up in the upper register and put some pitch bend on it. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I remember hearing my first like Dre and Snoop tracks as a kid and it it had that in it i was like what is that that's cool like (laughs) just that little looping synth hook would always get me oh yeah so yeah like this was uh this one was always a lot of fun for me just because like it always reminded me of that uh, of that silly movie um (laughs) but like it's still like spice one gangster rap like it was just i i always loved this one it was always a lot of fun for me and then like i said you know when uh when he reused that uh that verse on a on a tupac track then i was all like oh i know this (laughs) i know this so like the first time i heard it and i'm singing along already like yeah it's just like (laughs) all right cool (laughs) um all right mr modingo what has he brought in for track number two Hopefully not. My mind's playing tricks on me or I'm going to sound real stupid. <laughs> All right. So growing up on the West Coast, I obviously have me some love for some West Coast hip hop. Now, when this particular track, I kind of envision being like at a hood ass haunted house where, you know, horrible things are being displayed in front of you like warm old English 40 ounces and a spring breaking on your 6'4 Impala when you're got your switches going, you know, just really atrocities, you know, just, just things that are just beyond, beyond comprehension. But, uh, in that haunted house, I hear this being the song being played in the background as the theme music, you know, kind of laying that tone for it. Really great video too, if you've never seen it. So this one is Dr. Dre featuring Ice Cube, Natural Natural Born born Killers. killers. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Just everything about this song is like, that bass line. Oh yeah, and the the detune synth. The detune, yeah. yeah, that's what I was going for. Like it, I was dissonant kept popping in my head, but yeah. that wasn't right. It's detune. Yeah, yeah. It's that's, just a, a little bit not quite right. Right, like it's it's still in key, but like it's on its way out. Yeah. Oh man. Makes you wonder, did did Cube write this for Dre? Right, right. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> like, man, Cube's delivery back in this time. Oh man, like Whew. just Cube, Cube. Period. Like I just, I've always had like this, like just this absolute respect for Ice Cube. You, you couldn't, you couldn't argue with the man's lyricism. You couldn't argue with his delivery. You couldn't even argue with some of the the the. Uh, you couldn't even argue the content of what he was like really. You know, trying to deliver at the time. Well, I think NWA in, in general was kind of one of those those first groups to really like, hey, look, right, here's right. what's happening, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And if you don't like the way that we're you know putting it out there, if you it, then it, fuck you, <laughs> right, yeah. All of that aside, just Ice Cube like has always been one of my most favorite rappers, yeah, ever. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's let's listen to him for a sec. So, I mean, it's that iconic Ice Cube delivery, right? right? Like right. that. You ever see the? I don't remember which late night show he went on and read. It was like reading tweets or something, or reading nice things in Ice Cube voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So people like those flowers over there are beautiful. You know, or like whatever, whatever it was. And he would like make the like the face. You know, the that's hilarious. Curl his lip up and the whole thing. <laughs> you know. Nice pick, Mo. I like yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I didn't realize how uh, how hard we'd be going on hip hop for this episode. We, we always seem to do that, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be pick three without a bunch of hip hop. Right. Very nice. All right, I guess that's me, huh? I think so. All right, I'm going to pick this one. Uh, this is Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. Now, I'm not going to play the whole thing because the whole thing is like really, I don't know, it's 20 minutes or something. No. It's like side <laughs> A and B, and it goes through a whole bunch of movements, I guess. Okay. But everybody will know the the beginning of it because, here, I'll just play it. because it is also the th- opening theme to The Exorcist. <laughs> oh. I don't know if it's the opening theme. It is from The Exorcist. Now, the whole song is not so creepy and stuff as sure. this. I mean, it gets into, like, major keys and goes happy for a while and then comes back, but it's, it's worth listening through because there's a lot of... Um, what do you want to say? Call and response type, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or like uh, variations on a theme okay. kind of thing. So it, it kind of brings this melody that you're hearing right now, comes back in a lot of different forms throughout right. the whole piece. But uh, this, this is one of those songs that just uh, sends shivers up my spine, man. Yeah, for sure. 
so one kind of interesting tidbit you know i always have to to bring something nerdy in to talk about these shows so <laughs> this song is is kind of i don't know if important is significant maybe to me because not necessarily because of this original version of the song but because so as our listeners know i you know i've talked about my you know growing up and being like super into gaming and gaming music and like the sound the 8-bit sound oh, yeah. of the commodore 64 and stuff like that and how mm-hmm. it's kind of influenced me musically and there was a there used to be something called the demo scene and they would like create these uh, light shows and just basically kind of show off what these very limited processors could do. There was a, a demo that somebody put together. It was just kind of it basically like a screensaver, we would call it now. But okay. it was before we had any really use for a screensaver. And it had a rendition of the song on it, but played on the, the Commodore SID chip. So it was very 8-bit sounding, but they did all of the all of the parts, all these little complex parts that you hear in the background. So it had all those layers and that, those themes and stuff, but it was just buzzy and, oh, and weird okay. sounding. Yeah, yeah. And I used to listen to that all the time. I didn't know what it was as I was a kid. Sure. And I just, you know, this look at the record sleeve. I think it's, yeah, 1973. Okay. You know, that's 10 years before I was born. I didn't really right. know what it was. And so I would just load that up. It probably took 15 minutes to load from a five and a quarter inch floppy diskette. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just watch this little laser show thing and listen to this, the 8-bit version of this track. And anytime I hear this, it brings me back to that, which is, I'm probably the only person in history that, (laughs) 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 oh, this reminds me of an 8-bit video game. Well, no, I mean, there's a whole, um, there's a whole like group, uh, there's a whole audience out there for the whole eight bit chip tune chip type tunes, of yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Um, and a lot of it um, made its way into the glitch hop scene. You know, so that's like, true. Yeah. Uh, the early the earliest glitch hop was was a lot less hip hop. Like it had that yeah. influence in the beat, but everything was so avant garde and they were all bringing in like a bunch of chip tune stuff and all of that. And then all of a sudden like all the neuro based techniques started yeah. to come in and then that's that was the more like uh, or that was how all of that stuff sort of evolved into modern day, easily more easily consumed bass music yep. as as uh, kids like to call it now. But and that, um, now you hear NES and Game Boy sounds all over the place. <laughs> right, right. Um, I actually have a, a synth. I forget what it, what it's actually called, but I've got a soft uh, a software synthesizer uh, that does all eight bit like so like there's a preset for the Super Mario Fireball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And you could put that into. uh, Actually, I think I use it in our theme music. Oh, (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah. Theme song. Okay. So, which is probably why you like it so much. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what Mo's got. Okay. To round out his uh, his pick three. All right, and my last track. This song has mortified and struck fear into probably I'd say millions of people since um the first time this song was used in a particular context and i remember i believe it was 1991 was the first time i heard it i'm not sure when the track actually came out though but everyone clearly remembers the first time that they came in contact with this song because i'm pretty sure it was in the same context as i'm about to explain here but if you remember a 
a small piece of cinematic genius known as Silence of the Lambs. And if you're not sure what song I'm talking about, um, Trip, if you go ahead and forward it to the 15 second point, everybody knows those those four bars because and you get this creepy, creepy feeling because you remember how wigged out you felt when uh, when you saw this. And I believe that this particular scene, this movie was voted in one of the hundred scariest movie scenes of all time. So this one right here, my last one is Q Lazarus. Goodbye horses. And by the way, this makes an awesome ringtone because when you play it out, when people hear it out in public, they tend to freak out. So yeah, I may have done that. So I have to admit, oh god! I have to admit right off the bat that this is one of those movies I've never seen. Oh my god! Are you serious? Yeah, and that's the reaction everybody gives when I say that. I I intended to see it. Uh, my cousin and I. I think I've got it on DVD. I'll send you home. Okay, with it. okay. My my cousin and I got together. We were going to watch it when I was real young. One time, I stayed the night over at his place, and we set it all up. Got some popcorn. I sat down on the couch and fell asleep during the opening oh. credits. So I so I never saw it. Oh my god. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs is one of those iconic films that just, like, it, every aspect of it just sends a shiver up your spine. And this track is nothing to be scared of unless you know it. Yeah, unless you know it in that context. (laughs) So, uh, to give a little bit of context, The Silence of the Lambs, uh, Jodie Foster um, and Anthony Hopkins. Jody is a is an FBI agent, mm-hmm. and and Anthony is uh, is is a serial killer, but he is actually imprisoned for you know killing serially. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so there was like this uh, string of murders, you know, from another serial killer that uh, Jody Foster is trying to find, and it's kind of copycatting, you know, somebody else and this, that, and the other. So they go to Anthony Hopkins. To say, you know, hey, help us, you know, help us, uh, you know, figure this out. And so then he spends the whole movie messing around with Jodie Foster's brain and like he's he's messing with her emotions and all that stuff. But uh, they're trying to track down this killer. And he calls himself Buffalo Bill. Well, Buffalo Bill, his his signature is that he skins his his victims. And when he skins them, he is doing so so that he can like put their skin together so that he can wear it as a coat to turn himself into a woman. <laughs> so like there's this scene in the movie where he puts on the skin and then he like tucks his his uh, pool cue and balls right <laughs> and uh, and then like he's dancing to this song so. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> in the mirror and like just the, the whole. So like if you've ever heard it puts the lotion on the skin yeah. or else it gets the hose again. That's another scene where like Buffalo Bill is like making one of his hostages put lotion on her skin to keep it moisturized. <laughs> 
<laughs> I got you. So, so when I say I've never seen this movie, I've never seen it straight through from start okay, to finish. Okay. So I've seen a couple of the like iconic scenes like clips, and yeah, like yeah. bits of the TV version here and there right, and stuff. So right. like I kind of get the gist, <laughs> but not enough to where where I get a reaction from the song. Right, right. But what I, I it's it's fascinating for a different reason. Or I mean, it's listening to the song like you said there's nothing particularly scary about it musically it's right. not a haunting song really or gotcha. anything like that so i'm hearing it i'm like oh yeah okay it's nice well, you know whatever <laughs> and like you you kind of like had a cringe face when, <laughs> you know what i mean which just coming at this as a dj it's it, it just reminds me of how important context absolutely. is absolutely right? absolutely and atmosphere and all those and how we perceive music based on no doubt the other happenings in the in the room or on the screen as it were yeah no doubt good one mo yeah absolutely (laughs) struck fear in my heart (laughs) (laughs) all right do you have one final track to uh round us out here for the halloween pick three mr turlington i do and i have to admit it's not creepy (laughs) okay but it's a lot of fun and it goes with one of my number like like uh, it goes with one of my most favorite movies of all time halloween or ghost or anything any of that uh aside uh and it it's one of the few of my most favorite films ever that i actually like the sequel as much as I like mm. the original. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, and fortunately the sequel used the same theme song as the, as the original. <laughs> so this one, this one, uh, goes pretty well with all that. Um, so let's just hit it and then hopefully everybody knows what it is. Everybody get your proton packs ready. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. (laughs) So if you haven't figured it out by now. There's something strange in the neighborhood. Who you gonna call? I I haven't seen the newest uh, sequel. Um... But I, so I don't know if they reuse the the theme song again or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but this was so much fun uh, because this was you know a, during a different time of comedy uh, and everything that these guys were doing at the time yeah. was just you know uh, Harold Ramis was just I mean he was untouchable right and um, you know so the Ghostbuster series was just so much fun because it. it it, it was it was engaging for both kids and adults alike. Right. There was so much adult humor that I never got until I was an adult. Yeah. But like as a kid, there was so much about Ghostbusters that just you know. Yeah, because it's just a good action movie yeah, anyway. Absolutely. And then it spawned off toys and cartoons mm-hmm. and just all of this stuff that just you know just it, kids. We all loved it. Like, I can still remember there was a board game, a Ghostbusters board game, that, like, if I could find one right now, I'd, I'd probably pay $100 for it. <laughs> and it's a piece of, like, $15 cardboard junk, right? <laughs> like, I just... 
it was it was amazing um and it it, it really you know spurred the imagination of, of of kids everywhere but yeah like i said you know as an adult when i whenever i rewatch this like i just i love all the adult humor that was like hidden in there that yeah just, kids it just went over their head and it didn't matter it was such a brilliant uh, cast combination too yes, you know i mean it, yes. especially having um uh, bill murray and um dan Aykroyd yeah in there like just the <laughs> that whole interaction between those two the whole time you know with just the the snarky not really care asshole attitude of, right. of bankman and then oh yeah <laughs> it's like, absolutely it's just hilarious to watch you yeah. know and you get i mean it's it's bill murray in his element is what it is absolutely absolutely one of my most favorite like lines ever is when they're all like in the in the mayor's office and they're trying to like you know they're going up against this other guy who just released all the ghosts all across <laughs> the city and you know they're trying to explain to the mayor what's going on and then Bill Murray jumps in there dogs and cats living together mass hysteria I think is the, is yeah. the line he used but yeah it's just it, it really was it was um, it was a great movie it was a great sequel um, like I said I haven't seen the newest one I, I, so I can't really speak to that one um, but I mean if it was anything like the rest of the franchise I mean I'm sure it was it was funny you know at the very least yeah you know? so like I mean if there was it wasn't meant to scare you it was meant to be a good yeah, time yeah yeah and this and this track like I mean you know it's such a it's a very catchy yeah. thing. So, like, you know, what is it? Thirty years later, and you could still put this on, and people know what it is immediately. <laughs> <laughs> nice pick, man. That's a yeah. fun one to wrap up with. Yeah, no doubt. There is no Dana, only Zool. <laughs> this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. <laughs> Hope you guys have a great Halloween. Take care. Easy.